I have these tools for myself personally and for clients where I know if I just go back to step one, which is, all right, physical environment, what's around me, that's, we always start with that because then we build that confidence in our identity because now we've created something around us that reflects who we are and we've built the confidence in being able to shed and to let go of things that are supportive or connected to that story. We'll call it the story that we have. We all have it. And then that moves into, okay, now I have this confidence. I've already let go of a bunch of stuff. Now I I have this confidence and I'm more firmly rooted in my true identity. You know, what I am underneath all this stuff to then have the hard conversations with people that don't align with me. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we are back. What's happening, everybody? Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy, keeping up the good vibes. You're in for a treat today. I have an amazing conversation with who has become a good friend of mine now. And we actually were planning on doing this conversation a while back, but because of other circumstances, it got pushed forward. And I'm really glad it did because it just landed perfectly and we had an amazing conversation. Her name is Samantha Joy. She is an identity coach to aspiring entrepreneurs and influencers. Her coaching approach focuses on the concept of minimalism, enabling others to shift their identity to their most authentic self by clearing out aspects of their life rooted in an old story. The result is enhanced mental clarity, an improved sense of self, and the ability to design an environment that attracts abundance and fulfillment. Samantha's doing amazing work. She's also got a book called The Less Effect. You guys have to check out. And I really like the idea of decluttering your life for success. Sometimes we need to let go of the old to let in the new. And it's really important energetically too. We get into a great conversation here, guys. And I'm I'm really, really excited for you to hear it. And if you guys do get value, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think on Apple. Share this in a screenshot, whatever you can do. And if you want to stay on top of the episodes, they come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Hit that subscribe button. It's all free and you'll stay on top of them. So you guys are going to enjoy this. Get out your pens and papers. Take some notes. Samantha Joy coming right up. All right, we're on. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? As you you know, I was waking up at 4.30. Fail a little. (laughs) I woke up at 5, but I'm trying that new, what do they call it, millionaire hour? Yeah, is that, um, who wrote that book? I forget. I forget too. (laughs) I forget. No, I know what you mean though. The million more, something more. Millionaire morning, something like that. Something like that. We'll even link that in the show notes for people. But yeah, (laughs) it's one of those things where like getting up, it's a routine thing, right? You can't, it's hard when you're, cause when you first do it, you're going to be tired. Like you're going to have to get through that. Like, and you're in that, that I was like that this morning. Yeah, I've too. done it. I've done yeah. it years ago and I was on yeah. it. And then, then I had a kid and then it just all yeah. derailed, but we're getting back to it. So. Yeah. For me, that's probably, I think it's the hardest thing in my life. Believe it or not, is that battle with myself committing to getting up early. And it's so crazy because whenever 
and you'll, you may be the same. Whenever I get up at that time, there's something magical in the air and you get so much done in three hours or whatever. And then by eight o'clock, it's like, what? I just got my entire, I feel like I just worked the entire day and it's like such a rewarding feeling. How is it for you? It's well, it's rough getting back into it, but once I'm in that routine and I'm going to bed early, here's, here's my theory about it is Mm -hmm. the world's quiet in the morning. Right. So like no one's really up. I I don't know, like it's probably like 1% of people actually get up at that time. So you have all that time to yourself and then come the nighttime, you don't feel this need to like get on your computer or check your email or get things done versus what I was doing was doing that stuff at night. And then I would be wired all night because I'd be kind of in that mode. Whereas, you know, you get, you kind of eat the frog, you know, that saying in the morning, you get the hard stuff done, the big stuff done because it's such a peaceful time. Um, and you don't feel that pressure of the outside world. And then it flows into the night and the night creates the morning. It's just yeah. like this ongoing cycle. So. It's, it's true. It, yeah. it really is. And I, yeah, I find if you can really get that morning right and, and then the nighttime, you're that feeling where you're just tired at eight o'clock, nine o'clock. And you're like, I don't care. I've got, I'm, I'm ready for bed. It's not like I need Productive. to get ready. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. And you know, but it's funny how most people, including myself for some, from some reason I resist it come nighttime. I don't know what it is about the nighttime routine, but I know it's just as important because programming yourself for sleep and your next day is equally as important as when you get up in the morning. So it's like, but for some reason, around that time, it's like, oh, well, you know, there's all this stuff and eating and, and it, it's, it's really a challenge. How is it for you to settle down at night? I mean, I, after having my son, this is like a comment I've talked to other moms about and they're like, I know all about that. Like the minute your kid goes down. So he's 22 months today, actually. I'm that mom that says the months he's almost two. So the minute he goes down, it's like party time for moms. Like we're like, oh my God, what do we tackle first? Cause like the whole day you're with the kid and I, I am separated from his dad. So we split custody. So I do have some days to myself to work and in theory manage my schedule better so I can get to bed early. But w- when I have him, especially that was the cycle that I got into was once he'd go down, it was like, now I can do all the things cause he does get up so early. Um, he doesn't get up at four 30 though. He gets up at six 30. So there is time in there that I could, could do, but the nighttime was like go time for the last yeah. couple of years. And it's not, yeah, we're I'm trying to do a little switch right now. And it's, yeah. That's I'm good. tired, but it feels good because I did get a lot done. Like come midday at noon, you're like, you're, you could be done with your workday if you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is the hours where you got to kind of, you got to power through, you know, because yep. it's so easy to get tired at like two o'clock. This is, this is the problem with me too, is that when I know I got, let's say two or three interviews, like you're, t- t- I have two today, you know, one at 11, one at one. So my problem is, I get worried that if I get up at that time, that by the time 11 or one hits, I'm, I'm like, oh man, that feeling where I'm like, I need to sleep. And then it becomes the coffee thing and it becomes, mm-hmm. so it's a real dance between like hydrating and staying 
you know, and that, th- this is like a real struggle for people, you know, like it's like a real thing. And to be able to get through that and be able to like have your ways to stay awake and still have the energy is really, I mean, what it's all about, right? I mean, it's so easy to crash. There's definitely an adjustment period. And yeah. in that adjustment period, there has to be discipline, which is a great segue into yes. talking about how we view ourselves and our identity. Mm-hmm. Because once we're able to discipline and like step into those habits, we then identify with someone who does something like that. And then we can kind of build on that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it all boils down to being disciplined to then reap the benefits because there are so many benefits to waking up that early and being that productive. Yeah, for sure. So let's, um, all right, I, I really want to, because I actually haven't talked to you about, you know, your backstory as to, because I know right now we'll get into Identity Coach, your book, Less Effect, and, you know, but what you did before that in the corporate world. But I would love if you could give us a little bit of a backstory about yourself, because like I said, this isn't something that we've even chatted about yet. And we've chatted a couple of times. So, and for the listeners, first time getting to know you a little bit, maybe walk us through what it was like for you growing up. And I always like this question as well. What is the biggest struggle you faced that had the most impact on your life? Ooh, that's a good question. So yeah, I grew up in a really suburban white town in Connecticut. Uh, My parents split when I was really young. Prior to that, I was about eight years old. Prior to that, it was a lot of tension. If we didn't stay in line, including my mother, there was, you know, prices to pay. We don't have to get into all that. It's all in my book, but it was a really tumultuous dynamic growing up. So what I was taught at a really young age from my family and, and being in that dynamic was staying in line, you know, like don't rock the boat, don't be outspoken, do as you're told. There was a lot of that energy. And Mm -hmm. so when my parents split, there were a lot of emotions and a lot of that happening. And it was like, uh, that's not allowed. (laughs) So we're going to have to go to therapy. We're going to have to get all the kids on medication. We're going to have to, you know, it was just like really kind of silencing through that process of like, nope, we're okay. You know, we, we grew up in an upper middle class area of Connecticut. And it was like, you know, how we were perceived was everything. So, um, yeah, it was just like a lot of, a lot of, you know, trying to just come off like everything's fine. The family's fine. The kids are fine. And so going through life like that was really challenging for me because I was really emotional and expressive and creative and I couldn't, I couldn't step into that identity. Right. So I was groomed you know, and I think we're, we're groomed by many things growing up, you know, we're taught how to be, who to be, you know, things we can do, things we can't do by not just our parents, but educational system and religion and all these things. And so that was my upbringing. And then I'll just kind of fast forward to my college years. I went out to go to school in New York and I was a dancer growing up. So it was like, you know, the time for me to be in New York and dance and be creative and like expressive. And um, what my experience was, I just always went to the side of like being defeated and comparing and like, I'm not cut out for this. And so I ended up majoring in accounting in college, actually, like I was always really good in school. And it was, you know, 
again, echoed by my father, like pushing me in that direction. It was very safe. It was something people always needed. And so I went in that direction and I excelled there, um, which made it hard. And I'd be like leaving on lunch breaks to go to auditions because I was an actor as well. So I was in all that creative stuff, but it was in the pockets of my time and it wasn't on the forefront. And then I would just, I was getting, I felt at the time I was getting older and I was defeated and it was like comparing myself to everyone. And it just, it didn't feel like it was something I was cut out for. And I believe it was having been raised that, you know, to be safe and to be quiet and to be, you know, my mother encouraged my creativity through dance as I was growing up, but it was like not to do it as, you know, generally speaking, not to do it as like a career. So there was a point where I was doing Latin ballroom. It was a international Latin ballroom and there's like five dances and it's like, Wow. really intense. Yeah, it was amazing. That's and super um, cool. and my dad actually was really supportive of it. But then when it came time to what happened, I was actually supposed to move to Canada and go to school there and they match you to a partner. So it's kind of like old school where at that time, at least where they will, the, the woman like goes to the man and they are basically like this, like married couple that just travels and competes and that's your life. And that takes a lot of discipline, takes a lot of commitment. And it, it just wasn't safe. It wasn't practical. You know, my dad's a dentist and it, you know, it wasn't in that box, right. That I was taught. And, and not to mention there were major consequences at home if we didn't do exactly as my father said or what he wanted. And so, yeah, that was an interesting time. I was like training with a world champion. I was like, kind of like ready to do that. And then, um, the, you know, the plan changed, stayed safe. I went to school in New York. I kind of like did stuff on the side and then I got totally wrapped up in accounting. And, um, there was one point where I just sat there and I was like, I don't even recognize myself. Like I know I'm excelling. There's money in my bank account. Like I can support my life in New York, which is an amazing thing growing up in a small town in Connecticut. But I, I it just felt I didn't know what direction I really wanted, but I knew where I was just like, was not it. It was not it. So I ended up going to a hypnotherapist. I had heard there was like a really great hypnotherapist in New York. I went to go see her. And in like, what was the first session I left being like, Oh, I'm going to move to California. Like, I don't know where this came from. It came to me in a vision and I felt pulled and I bought a one way I quit my job, bought a one way ticket to San Francisco. I'll keep this part brief, but it was a series of like, you know, an evolution of my career in accounting. So I went into more of the consulting side and the, the, like, you know, all the startup, you know, Silicon Valley culture. Like I got into that and, um, I got to be more creative and I got to do, you know, speaking gigs and travel. And so I was like starting to kind of find my feet in like a place of leadership where I hadn't been before. And that felt more aligned. So I started like doing that. And then I ended up um, becoming the vice president of a company that was actually out in New York. They were a former client of mine. And I opened an office in Denver. I had moved here for a, a job <clears throat> from San Francisco. And they just let me run with it. They were like, help us, you know, grow this company and we trust you. And it was great. Here's the thing about that that wasn't right either for me. Like I was doing things in a leadership position 
and things that I, I loved in like an adjacent way, but it was for somebody else. It just wasn't, it wasn't like nourishing my soul because it, it, I didn't feel like I was directly impacting people or helping people. It was, it was basically still, I was on someone else's payroll and it didn't feel right. So from there I had been, uh, running a company on the side where I was doing other business consulting and coaching and things like that. And so I, I left that company and well, I wrote my book prior to leaving, um, which hit number one bestseller on Amazon twice, which was so amazing, such an amazing experience. And that was like, at that point, the biggest identity shift i had had because I went, my coach at the time ran a retreat. I went to the retreat. I just like got the help I needed and the expertise I needed to do something I had been dreaming about for decades. And I did it and it went amazing. And I was like, okay, like I was right. Like I'm destined to do something more and make more of an impact. So that was another massive shift in my identity, pulling me towards not even being someone else, but being, I just felt more myself. And I got to tell my story in the book. I got to express myself in a way that I had never done before. And then that's where things really started to open up because I did have my son in between all that time, which presented its challenges. Again, another identity shift. But through that process, I realized like I had, you know, based on how I was raised in my experience as a kid, I think we all go through this. It definitely shapes us. It influences all of our decisions. And then I think a lot of us have a, a breaking point where we're like, wait a second, like, I was told to be this person. That's not me. And then as I was getting more into minimalism and really uh, more of my spirituality and realizing what I, what I had created in my life, it just dawned on me. It was actually in a coaching session with, I think you had him on the show, AJ. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Guys. Have yeah. Been. So we, he's amazing. I was on a trip to New York. I'll never forget it. And he asked me this, like the million dollar question. And it was, you know, well, Sam, like, where do you remember feeling the most you, like the most in flow, the most creative, the most free to just be who you are and aligned with who you are? And I was like, oh, wow, I don't know. And then it all of a sudden clicked and I'm like, I have moved so many times. I've, mm -hmm. I have excelled in my job, but I did that through, you know, seeking out other companies and, and slowly, you know, carving that path. And every time I would move, I would feel like the possibilities were endless and like it was a blank slate and I could do anything. And just like the weight was off and everything was great. And then, like I said, through learning about minimalism and really taking a look at like things I've acquired and like even expanding it to like the people around me, just becoming aware of what yeah. I create, like what's around me and what I've accumulated. I was like, okay, every time I move, I'm lighter because I'm getting rid of stuff in my house and, and, and you know, how we do that when we move, we just yeah. start like decluttering. We like wait till the last minute till we're moving. And then we, you know, I was moving and I was breaking up with my boyfriend or like leaving friendships and not revisiting them because they weren't necessarily friendships that were yeah. aligned with me. And then I was, yeah, just leaving jobs, like things like that. So it was like, Oh, the possibilities are endless, you know? And it's like, well, that's interesting because I can create this in my life. And so that's where the less effect beta was born. 
um, I started documenting my, you know, decluttering, we'll say my physical environment, which then I applied that to my social environment, to my relationship. So it's like taking inventory, breaking down each relationship, you know, close relationships, what I was getting from them, what I was even giving to them, if anything, you know, like if they were aligned and then taking steps to declutter that, that was hard. Um, and then moving that into then habitual environment is what I call it in the program. So it's really breaking down what our habits are and what the routines are. So it's funny, we started the conversation with that because, you know, what I'll say is through this whole experience and my personal experience, it was like, I always knew my childhood shaped me and I always knew it brought me to where I was. But what I, what dawned on me through this discovery of, you know, this process was like, well, not only are we often living in that old story, we're every moment we're creating something around us to, you know, support that story and enforce it, which, which, which bolsters us into that old unserving identity. So just shedding, starting to become aware and shed. And that's only the first part. So we shed that old identity. Well, then there's a period of like, what now it's, it's becoming intentional and clear. And the more that we can shed and let go, I mean, it, it can be in something as small as something like a, you know, physical item in your home. Just, I got rid of a pile of papers that was two feet tall in my house. It still happens to me. And it, there was stuff in there that had meaning, meaning that tied to hard times in my life and getting rid of it was like so freeing. So imagine applying that to relationships, applying that to everything we're doing every day, you know, in our habits and and in our routines. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how we can accumulate stuff for no reason. And because we think people too, because we think, (laughs) yeah. And people, and we think we're going to need it, need them. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, and it's, you know, and, and will you talk about identity and it's, it's so interesting because I can definitely relate, you know, because we get so used to being that person for so long and doing all the things that align with that person. And then you switch. And even though you're working towards something else, you can still go back. It's so it's, it's, I've noticed it's, it's a constant daily process of continually aligning with your new identity and doing the things that align with who you actually want to be instead of thinking you want to be something, but then they don't actually align with that and they align more with the person you used to be. And that's a challenge. That's our our default. Yeah. It's, and I noticed this as well, even um, an example with my team and I was, I was having a rough day the other day and this is like my programming in growing up playing hockey was fear-based coaching, like scare me into doing stuff, right? Like that was the way I was taught. And I know personally that I never, I don't like to learn that way. And that doesn't inspire me to actually want to get motivated. And there's been, I looked at what leaders are the ones that really get me to do things long-term. And it's the ones that can pull something out of me, like emotionally inspire me and make me want to do it. And it's funny because I was having a rough day and there was some stuff, some fires going on. I had to put out with my team and just clients. It was just, it was one of those days. 
And because I hadn't programmed myself and I was just running off this emotion, I went back to default. And then I started going back to this person that I, I don't want to be. And it's fascinating how that can happen when, again, we don't set ourselves up for the things that are going to give us, put ourselves in that driver's seat in that identity that we actually want to be. And it's just so easy to go back to the other person, you know, like it's it's, so ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that is why I have the process set up in a certain way. Right. So, um, and that, that is so human that happens to all of us. So that's why I have these tools for myself personally and for clients where I know if I just go back to step one, which is, all right, physical environment, what's around me, that's, we always start with that because then we build that confidence in our identity because now we've created something around us that reflects who we are and we've built the confidence in being able to shed and to let go of things that are supportive or connected to that story. We'll call Mm -hmm. it the story that we have. We all have it. And then that moves into, okay, now I have this confidence. I've already let go of a bunch of stuff. Now I I have this confidence and I'm more firmly rooted in my true identity, you know, what I am underneath all this stuff to then have the hard conversations with people that don't align with me that don't, cause you know, our, our circle is like everything, Yeah. everything. So, and then what you were just talking about is the habit piece is again, like even further now being more firmly rooted in that identity of who, who am I? What am I setting myself up for? And it is, like you said, like, how am I, how am I spending my days? And how is one day helping the next and the next and the next? Because we're creating in every moment, right? And yeah. is what we're creating a reflection of our past or of our future? And when I say our future, it's the future we want, which is the future that is us. It's like going home to who we are. Um, before we piled all this stuff yeah. on top of ourselves. Yeah, it's deep. I, um, I want to circle back a little bit to one thing where just for people listening and, and people that know that they're destined to do something else, that what they're doing isn't working. It's not letting them on fire. It's like very boring and they just don't feel inspired. I think we all feel that, but a lot of us don't are too scared or there never comes a point where we hit the rock bottom where it's like, I have to change. I have to get out of this. You know, for, for me, I went through something like that and I knew I had to sh- I change, but for you, I know you went to hypnotherapy, but like, what was the, what was the thing that was like, all right, this just doesn't do it for me anymore. Something's got to change. Like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, what- it, it was, it wasn't one defined moment per se, but it definitely was a, a culmination of, so in tax season, right? It's like, we're working 85, 90 hours a week and yeah, seven days a week. And I'm now, comm- I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. So I'd commute in and out of the city every day for months. And I was someone, I mean, I, sometimes we just have an aha moment and I was someone that was so creative and performing and, you know, like in dance class, I was always like front and center. I was, I was just always the one shining and, and that was part of my identity. So I was like, what am I doing? And I don't have to do this. I had family out in San Francisco 
And they were like, anytime you want to move out here, like we'll be here for you. And I think just, I knew that I needed guidance. I knew that I needed help. And my sister actually had done hypnotherapy to help her uh, feel more comfortable with flying. And I think she took one session. And I mean, it is crazy powerful. Because I need that. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's high. Yeah. It's highly visual. And it's like, I don't want to botch the stats, but it's like something like 10 times more. You get like 10 sessions in one. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Um, so it really was in that session that it all came together and it, and, and it didn't come together where it was like, you know, aha, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I, it came together where it was like the next step was clear to me even if I didn't know what it meant or any of that, I just trusted. So if something like clicked in my soul, like it felt so aligned, the thought of one way ticket going there. Like I didn't, I think that's, I think we're scared around change. And the fact that I felt no fear around that move for me, that was so uncertain was such a sign to me. That is the thing that we all like that uncertainty, that certainty of like, if you can get that, it's like unstoppable. It's like, you just know. And, and there's this, like, that is such a powerful thing. And do you, th- do you think that you did the accounting thing to kind of satisfy, like, cause your dad was such a academic, like, do you think, because here, seeing you now and hearing about you're a dancer and now you're doing it, you're, you know, you're an author and you know, you're a coach and you're doing all this amazing stuff that seems so opposite to accounting but I can see that you would have felt a lot of pressure from the family to do something that's academic. Did you feel that a lot? Was that, is that why you kind of got into that in the first place? I, I did. And I, I do want to talk about another component because yeah. again, like I was talking about when we're growing up, the influences that, that groom us and that mm-hmm. create that story or we created and it's influenced by that. So that was a piece of it. The other piece of it was I've always, I've been very, uh, <laughs> how do I say this? complimented on physical aspects of me. And so I've always, this is basically like a society thing. I think this is how society influenced me was this need to prove that I was more, that I was smart and I had a good personality and like I was more than just my looks. Mm. And through dancing, it was wonderful, but it's very aesthetic. And it's like, it still almost put me in the same category of that. So when I went into accounting, when I had like, you know, I had all these classes I had to take. And then when it was time to choose my path, it's funny looking back. Cause like I would have chosen something different, but, um, <laughs> haven't, I think we all feel that way, but it was like, wow, I'm getting good grades. And so it was almost like to prove to myself, like I'm more than just this and I'm so well-rounded and I'm, you know, when, getting good grades in a class didn't just make me smart. It just, I just, I just was, I was academically gifted. And so it was a, it was a combination of what was safe, what was respectable um, and what was realistic. And then also, I guess at the time I felt like it was proving it to the world, but maybe just proving it to myself that um, I was more than just like a pretty face. I was, I I had more to me than that. Um, And that is, there's some validity to that in a way, but it, but it didn't need to go that far as to like, you know, change my, my life's path Mm. for that. Um, And there was, 
the internal stuff of just fear-based of, yeah. okay, if I don't do something safe, and that was probably instilled in me growing up, but it was like, I don't, I don't know where this is going to bring me. And this is stuff I see on TV. This isn't me. This isn't, mm. I can't do that, you know? But again, all of, I was also raised with a lot of attention on my looks and my, my grandmother, my mother's mother and my mother, it was a lot of like all about looks and commenting on looks. And uh, so that was at the forefront of a lot of how I viewed myself and my worth. And so it was kind of like the accounting thing was also a bit of like a rebellion of, and if people would, I'd go to clients and they'd be like, you're going to do my audit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to do your audit. <laughs> mm, and I hated it. I hated it, but it was a, a part of me loved it. And then when I was in higher executive positions speaking, it was an ego boost because I was a woman in a man's world and I was excelling and I was smart and I looked a certain way. So I would always, always exceed expectations in that field. So it just, it, it like was a whole cascade of fear and ego and my story. How do you deal with that same thing now? Do you embrace your looks? Are you like, or like, how, how does that, how do you, you know, how do you look at that now? Cause obviously you get that attention, right. You know, and I mean, it's a, it's also a, it's also a powerful thing too, right. I mean, you can use it in a in very powerful way. You know, if you have it, I mean, embrace it the best you can. I mean, how do you deal with that now? Do you, does it still bother you if somebody's like says, Oh, you're beautiful, but you don't, but you don't know the real, like I'm smart too. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, I, it's, a lot of this isn't me just coming saying like, oh, it's been so hard. It's, it's yeah. literally the fact that I was raised to focus on aesthetics, like physical yeah. appearance. So it's I not, was too. I was yeah, too. yeah. It was like, it was like my, I love my mother and she's God. She, when people say people can't change, she's amazing. She is like totally overcome and she did it at a very late age. Mm. She went through a lot herself. Um, and so it's amazing to see. And it almost has allowed me to step out of that for my son, like to, to like, do things differently with him. Like, even though he's not female, it's like growing up watching your mom nitpick her body and then going to visit your grandmother who is gorgeous and she's in her nineties. And I don't know how she does it. She's like one of those glamorous grandmas and she's like still doing that. Um, it's very triggering. Like it's super triggering. I'll even catch my mom saying stuff. And so I'm like radical, like loving myself. Like I, if something's like, especially after having a child, and I, I think that to answer your question, I mean, what the catalyst for me was like, <laughs> children change everything about your body, like everything. And it most importantly changes the way we look at our bodies because of how functional they are and how amazing they are to create life. And so yeah. now I don't feel, cause I've done the, a lot of the work to step to, to create around me what I want. And I don't, feel like I have much to prove. And I feel like if someone wants to compliment me on my physical appearance, um, I can accept it because I already, I know my worth is more than that. Like, I, I don't feel like I need to prove it. And the, I think the biggest reason I know the biggest reason is because I've done a lot of the work to create things around me that reflect my true identity, reflect my heart, like reflect who I am. And when we do that, life just flows. Like it's, it's when we're trying to be someone else. It's when we believe our story that was 
given to us by someone else and we choose to believe it, that things feel hard and we fight it and there's friction and it's like just an uphill battle constantly. But the more we step into who we are, we can embrace things like a, a compliment about how we look because like I accept, I, I no longer shun that. I accept yeah. that as a part of me and it's wonderful. And if someone chooses to prioritize that about me over other attributes, that's their choice. And that doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah, no, it's, and just the act of gratitude itself and being grateful for what you have. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I go through the same thing, you know, like people, people, you know, treat you the way you look. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but I mean, at the same time, I, you know, it probably helped me getting jobs in bars because, you know, certain things that I probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, it's, it, and, and these are the things that in life, I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, you got to kind of, it's, it's a strange thing, but I mean, we got to kind of like embrace it and yeah, be grateful for what we have. And I was, I was actually, I wanted to get into that as the next thing is I want to talk to you about the power of gratitude and I was watching one of your stories and you had talked about how gratitude there's like in challenges that come in your life, like they feel, they feel like they're against you, but really there's something that it's meant to happen. And it's like the, the gratitude in that, that lesson mm. or that problem is what, and this is the way I live my life too. It's like to be grateful for that thing, because that is the thing that, that is like the, we're looking for some sort of growth or miracle or something. But in order to get there, we usually have to go through some sort of challenge. And when you can change, and this is the whole thing about adversity as well. It's like when you can change your perspective on that and be grateful for that, it almost allows it to kind of teach you the lesson it needs to teach you and kind of move through. What are your thoughts on all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing about miracles. So yeah, I have had a tough couple years um, through the separation of my sons with, with my son's father mm. and just adjusting to single mom life and building a business, et cetera. And I have, I have been in dark moments where it was a period of, okay, I get to choose. I get to choose if I'm going to be strong in this moment or be weak. And I can't be both. You can't be both simultaneously. It's not possible. So a choice has to be made. And through the choice of, of being strong and powering through, and which means being optimistic that there's something good coming at the end, there's going to be a positive outcome is deeply rooted in faith. And so I got really into spirituality and, you know, more so than I had been in a way of living from the end. There's a metaphysical metaphys, metaphysicist. Um, I think he goes by uh, Neville Goddard, someone that my mom turned me on to. He's, he's dead now, but um, amazing, amazing thinker, writer. And he says, not to digress, but I think this is a really powerful metaphor is we go on airplanes, we go on trains, we go on ferries, all these things, cruise ships, whatever. And we don't go to meet the captain or the conductor or the pilot. We don't like go to meet them and interview them and like try to build 
like trust with them. We literally get on there. We get on the plane saying, oh, we're, we're on our way to Hawaii. And like, we already know like, oh, we can't wait to get to Hawaii. Like we're going to, like, it's, it's, we're getting there. Yeah. We, but we trust the pilot. Like, Mm -hmm. why do we not see outcomes like that in our own life as clearly? Why don't we trust with that same, same, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we, we don't, we don't trust on the same level. That's Um, a great point. Yeah, it was amazing. So that spoke to me through really hard times. And the point of me saying all this is that I started to just think from the end when I go into a hard situation, it in, you know, we, and we hear this all the time is like, oh, speak about it as if it's happened. Not that it's happening, like as if it's happened, but I would hold on to that so tightly. And then what would, what I saw starting to happen was things were going that way. They didn't, they didn't happen to the end in the way that I thought, but the, the outcome was always the same. And so the thing I was talking about the other day was about miracles of, um, I, I also have been studying A Course in Miracles pretty closely, which is really just about living in fear, living in love to, to boil it down, but, um, uh, or God or ego, it's like synonymous. Mm. So um, the miracle thing was like, we think that miracles are, they just happen like a split second. They're like, we're like going along. Life is so, so, so tough. But like, then all of a sudden our circumstances change and like something comes out of nowhere and we relate to it that it's like a completely separate instance. Like this was the hard time and this was the miracle, no relation. Whereas the miracle, a lot of times, like this is what I believe is that it, it's the whole thing. Yeah. You cannot have one without the other. The good and the bad. Yeah. It's just yeah. as like, important. It, but one affects the other. So yeah. as long, back to your point of gratitude, it's like when things are tough, it doesn't mean miracles are off the table. I think it means the opposite. It's yeah. like, this is preparing us for that insane moment. And that moment isn't the miracle. The whole journey is the miracle. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it totally. And yeah, good, the bad, it's all a perspective. It's like, why yeah. is it bad? Because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Well, it's actually making us, <laughs> it's actually making us feel, get stronger from it. Right. When yeah. things are always smooth, of course we want, oh, we just want to cruise and smooth. And that's great. I mean, but that's not teaching us anything. I mean, that's what we all want, right? But it's those, it's those difficult conversations. It's the difficult moments. It's the stuff that forces us out of our comfort zone to grow that really is what we look back in hindsight and go, oh, I'm so glad that happened. I hated it at the moment, but that was all part of it. And if that didn't happen, then you know, this miracle or this thing that's happened wouldn't feel as sweet. <laughs> like, you know, it's, um, it's really interesting in being able to see things like that because that's really, a lot of people's perspectives aren't like that though. You know, it's, it's, it's in, it's in a, a, a mentality of like, it's happening to me. Why is this happening? You know, what am I going to do? Why is that person doing this to me? Why is everyone against me? Right. Instead of like, okay, it's happening for me for a reason. What, how can I, what can I do right now to, to, do, to change the situation or make the situation better? Makes all the difference thinking that. Yeah. I mean, it literally flips it on its head. Yeah. 
And that right there changes outcomes. And to your point, if we didn't feel the pain and the challenges, those, I mean, those are the things that bring us to that place to be like, en- enough, I got I to gotta do something about this. And something's not working right now. And those are the times that we are getting, you know, those challenges get us closer and closer to our true identity, like who, who we were born as before all this stuff started coming into our view and influencing us and, and, and making us create this story that doesn't serve us and isn't always, usually isn't a reality. It's just our perception and everything is perception. And that's the thing is, like you said, I mean, is this something that is leading to that miracle moment, you know, or is this, are we just going to live? It's comfortable to live in the story. Getting, getting uncomfortable will bring us to happiness, which is crazy because discomfort doesn't feel so happy. No. Sometimes. And yeah, like you, to your point, what you said about love and fear, and this is what I've learned as well from this really good book called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Absolutely amazing. Like, and just looking at things like that, I try and ask myself, is this coming from a place of love or fear in my decisions and how I speak? Because it's so easy. Again, the default programming it's so easy to speak in a fear-based tone or what we post and what we say, but there's always a way to say things or do things in a way that's empowering, you know? And I, you know, I see it on social media, you know, on Facebook and people post stuff and I'm just like, oh, you're not doing, like you're not, it's not doing any good by saying it like that, you know? But everybody's got to kind of learn that for themselves. But for, for me, I just, I really focus now on what I'm saying. Is this coming from a place of love or fear? And it's so basic, but just that awareness alone is one of the most powerful things a person can do and understand. Well, and if I can bring it back to A Course in Miracles, yeah, something we had a whole, I go to these, well, I was going to these live classes. They're all online now. And it's just jumping into sections of it. And um, one of them was I mean, a lot of them are, but one in particular was about the ego. And I will never forget that session because it was all about how, you know, we, I think we, we are programmed to think like that is our default. Our default is to go to that fear-based place. Mm -hmm. And really it's that if we break it down to love or fear, fear being ego, love being God, higher power universe, you know, who we are. Yep. So Think about, think about this way. If you have someone who's living in love and someone who's living in fear, like who's louder? Who needs to be heard more? Who's louder? Who's more aggressive? It's, it's, it's the ego. It's the fear, yeah. right? So it's not always that that comes first and then we have to like go back to the place of love. It's that um, ego is very pushy and very loud. And the more that ego can keep us in doubt, the bigger it gets and the more powerful it gets. And then it can, it can keep you there. Whereas love is patient and waits and, and is like, you know, ready to speak when you're ready to listen. And it's always available to us. And so ego is something that we create. Um, but we do know the answers. We always know the answers. It's just if we're willing to sit and listen because love is, is more peaceful and more quiet and isn't as pushy. It doesn't always 
need to be heard, but is available. I think this, what we're talking about right now is probably one of the most, if not the most important thing I've ever learned in my life up until this point is, is that awareness. Like (laughs) just being able to break it down in that way, that it's not all one thing coming from one place, you know, and understanding that the ego and the different uh, archetypes and the soul and it allows me to really not beat myself up as much as well about the things that I think. Right. And do you, do you agree as well when you kind of understand how we're wired and how everything is that when you have a thought or a feeling and it's, and it may not be from love, but it's like, it's okay. I know what you're, I know why you're saying, you know, I get it. Right. But understanding that like we can really beat ourselves up for thoughts and thinking things and saying things, but it's like, once you understand it a little bit more, you're like, oh, okay, don't, you know, it's all right. You can have more compassion for yourself. Oh, absolutely. And not spiritually bypassing those feelings is so important yeah. because part of self-love and, and avoiding that is, is feeling. Yeah. That's another Neville Goddard, the, the man I mentioned before, feeling is the secret is one of his books and it's such a good read. And it's like, that is the secret is allowing the feelings which are tied to our thoughts to come and not judging them. And it's such, it's something that we hear so much, you know, in the space of personal development and Mm -hmm. spirituality, but it's another concept to actually practice and to grasp of like the love piece of it is, is not judging ourselves for it. Mm -hmm. It's not about being perfect. It's not about thinking the right thoughts. It's not about, Oh my gosh, if we think this, we're now not in alignment with our highest self. It's our highest self is someone that is compassionate and not, judging of those human thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. The thoughts that we get and, and how people can influence them and how we got to be really mindful of our energy. And it's, it's crazy. It's a, it's, it can be a battle zone out there. And this is my next, let's, let's talk about the last four months, for instance, Mm -hmm. and how, how powerful people's opinions and people's everything can really influence our our thoughts and i think i haven't been challenged this much i don't remember the last time on on all everything from you know from the corona to the racial stuff going on like it's just been a real like wow you know and i guess what i would ask you if you could go back to the beginning of this craziness, let's say you could give, go back to January 2020, after what you know now, after all the navigating you've gone through, what advice would you give yourself? I would probably, that's a good question. I haven't reflected yet on that. Probably that, I mean, for me, that was the time to go into my feminine and just be and just, in, you know, take the moment for what it was and accept. So I think the advice would be like, don't, don't fight this, embrace this. Mm. It will absolutely make you better and it will bring you closer to yourself. And it has, um, I, I, for the first couple of months I was doing really well. Um, and I think it was because I was immersing in work and stuff. And then, um, I right on time decided this was a great, great time to dive into like, therapy and childhood trauma and all that stuff. 
So it's been a little bit of a different second half for me, but in the same respect, just really feeling it and going with it and, and embracing this time to be still and to be going inward. Cause that's a scary place for a lot of people. And it, yeah. it is a scary place for me at times, but going back to the tools that I have of like, that it will serve me that the, the pain is where the purpose is. The pain is where the passion is. That's where we find meaning in life through, you know, Buddhism. That's, that's where the meaning of life is born from is that pain. Mm. And so, yeah, I think, I think the advice would be like, embrace the fuck out of it. basically. <laughs> yeah. Like do, do not fight this cause you will lose. Yeah. Cause I've had, I've had my moments. So I think we all have. Yeah. It's been fucking crazy. And if I just think about, you know, December, 2019 and how like you imagine in the wildest dreams out that we would have thought this was going to happen. Yeah. Like I just, 2020 has been such a shit kicking for me, but it's been such, um, I, uh, just such a growth tool. Like, so like, like I just laugh at it because it's just been like, what else you got? Come on. Like, what else you got for me? You know? And it's, I know. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been such a challenge to like figure out, you know, because again, it's, it's, it's monitoring and really being careful of your own energy and really knowing when to learn and when to listen and when to like pull back because it's just too much. You could literally spend your entire day on this damn phone listening to everybody's opinion about everything. And it's like, well, what the fuck do I think? Like, what do I actually believe right now? You know, like what do I have? Have I given myself a chance to sit here and like, what is happening? And it's been a real interesting thing to, to watch. And, but again, I'm super grateful for it. Like, <laughs> like for all, for everything, because it's just, it's, it's, it's just, I've learned personally so much about myself as you, yeah. can, you have too. What have like, you learned? Can I ask you? Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's reverse the question. <laughs> what advice would I give myself? Again, I always say just the same advice that I would give my, you know, eight-year-old self before I became a teenager and went through, you know, a lot of hard times that I would just say, believe in yourself. Like always just trust that what you're feeling is usually, it's, it's okay. Like it's believe in that whatever you're hearing in the beginning, like that sudden urge, that feeling, just believe that that is the truth like that intuition. I've always that's had, so a, that's yeah. yeah, I've had that. And then there's always noise or something. There's always some, mm-hmm. something that fucks with that. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough for that. I think, you know, and I think during this, it's challenged me. Business has challenged me. My, my discipline has challenged me. My spirit has challenged me as a leader. It's challenged me as a podcast host. It's challenged me everywhere. Because I've, I've lacked belief in all areas. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this right now? And, and is this what I want to do? Those kind of conversations. And yeah, I would just say believe. Like, you just got to believe. And this is a lesson in life for all you guys listening. Like, 
you have to believe in yourself 100%. Because if you don't, how do you expect others to? Like you have to know that your truth is worth believing in. And yeah, that's, that's what I would say. <laughs> and get up early. <laughs> well, I love, I want to touch on, I love yeah, what you well, said about yeah. the noise. We could talk yeah, about the noise yeah. because we're in a time now. I love that you said this. We're in a time now where we actually, a lot of us are in a position to self-select out of the noise, but yet it's very tempting. There's a lot of temptation to jump into the noise because we are in such solitude, a lot of us, right? So we're forced to face ourselves and to face our thoughts and our feelings. And that is a very scary thing. So then we go and bring in the noise, right? We're like bringing in the social media and like all this other stuff that's going on in the news and it's a slippery slope. And that's why a lot of, you know, this method that I do is around becoming aware of what we're consuming because yeah. I know for me back to the the routine thing of getting up early and working and going to bed early and, and what we do before bed to set us up for the next morning to then repeat another day and another day is what are we consuming at night? And, and this is not a harmless thing. This is something that sets a precedent that determines how we show up every day and mm -hmm. who we show up as and who we believe we are. So if we're consuming really negative, violent, especially right now, content or things that are just really highly charged or you know whatever before we're trying to wind down and go to sleep and, and get rested for our day. I mean, this is just becomes a cycle. And in general, just like when we're, if we go break it down to social media scrolling, like there's not like really, even though we choose to follow someone, we're not like, they're not like, Oh, I'm going to post this. Are you ready? Do you choose this? You're like, you're getting hit with like yes. stuff. You're just absorbing and absorbing and absorbing. And there's not like, there's not like full on consent of that. And so, so true. <laughs> but even though you're choosing to be on this device and to be in that world for that moment, it's still, you're not protecting your energy. Yeah. And we're all human and we all do it. And this is like the generation that this is, this is what's happening. And now when you want to talk about the last four months, this is like, this is what it is. And it's not just, we're doing it because we're alone and this is how we're connecting, but it's like, everyone's on there because they're, whole lives have shifted into this like digital world, mm. you know, cause we don't have such a social physical world that we did prior to this. So it's like that noise that you're talking about is we have an opportunity to quiet it. And so the question is, are we going to, are we going to use this time to do that? And that's when, when you said back to January or December, embrace the silence, like embrace what comes out of the silence and we should definitely stay tuned in to important things and ways that we can be a part of this movement right now. And we get to self-care and we get to choose when we shut it down and, and what we're looking at and where we're getting our content. <sighs> yeah. Sometimes it's I, just need to, I need to just sigh and just like, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> if somebody, wow. if somebody right now, Let's let's dive in. Are you okay for time? First of all, I got nothing else going on oh, today. Okay, perfect. I um I just want to make sure that we touch on this, just to give people a little teaser if they want to like you know potentially work with you, and if 
somebody is right now thinking, hmm, okay, identity. What does that mean? How does that, how can I change? I'm, I'm this way forever. Okay, I'm doing this. This is me. I'm doing this forever. That's what my mom, that's what my dad said. What would you say to them if they want to switch identity? And what would be like maybe a couple, three points that they could do right now that they could apply in their life that could maybe help them in making that happen? I mean, if someone is so stuck in the belief that that's just the way they are, they will never work with me. It just won't happen. But if someone's on the edge, feel, let's say someone's feeling like, I feel like I'm in this rut. I've always been here. It's the only thing I identify with. And, but I know it doesn't feel right. You know, um, something I just have people do, and there's a couple variations, but you can just do one, which is you take a piece of paper, put a line down the center. You write more as a header on the left side. You write less as a header on the right side. And you literally write down what you want more of in your life, whether it's money, whether it's something material. I mean, you might want a house, whatever it is that's allowed. My work isn't just about like, you know, going off the grid. It's about just aligning with who you are. That's the most important thing, creating that. So it could be a feeling, it could be a person, um, it could be an experience. And then what you want less of. And really what that does is it shows you to your face and brings it out of you. It externalizes the things that you were not necessarily conscious around what you are not willing to settle for anymore and what could be possible. The start of my course, the first module is really a series of questions to get the person to see how what they've currently created is linked to their belief system growing up and bringing them back to childhood and bringing them back to when they became that wounded child and what that moment was like and how it's, you know, connecting the dots. So there are questions like, I mean, there's, I'll, I'll always stick with the question AJ asked me, which was, you know, my old coach was, where did you feel the most like you and the most free? And a lot of times it's around times in childhood for people. It's a great question. It's an awesome question. And I feel lucky that I had that in my adulthood, but for so many of my clients, it's, they, they literally sit there blank. And if you, if we can't even answer that question, that's how, that's a red flag that, wow. that it's time for us to make a change in our life. And we don't need to know the how, and that's why there's magic in this, in this process of the less effect, because it, it just starts uncovering so that we, then we can see it. So it's really, I have a series of questions around bringing it back to those moments for people so they can remember like, actually you, you know, I wasn't this way the whole time. It, it's not, it hasn't always been like this. There was a time in my life where I felt X, Y, Z or where I had things that are on my more list. Like I actually, I possessed these things at one time. Wow. Like I didn't even realize. People must get emotional when they oh hit, when they hit home with yeah. that. Cause even me, I'm thinking, Oh man, I could, almost cry just thinking about like how much we need to unlearn to get back to that, like that kid that was just happy about everything, you know, and like where you feel the most free. It's like, Oh wow. You know, cause there's just so much bullshit that we get thrown at like as a kid, as a teenager. And it's like, it just clouds us. Mm -hmm. It just like, you know, it just, it just fogs up the lenses. 
And then you just operate out of just doing shit to satisfy other people. You don't really ever follow what you really want to do because it's not, it, it, it just doesn't seem, because you're, what makes you happy isn't the thing that's going to make you a lot of money, right? We're told like, oh, that's right. stupid. It's not, it, that's the story. There's, there's, no, there's no money in that. Why would you do that? How many times have we told that bullshit? Like, don't do that. There's no money in that. You know how many times I heard that shit? It's like- You'll never meet ugh. a person that is wildly successful and hear them say, I just do it for the money. They're successful yeah. because they're living their life's purpose. Yeah, totally. And yeah, it's like, it's these stories. And it's, we love as humans because a lot of us are wounded in childhood in some way. Um, we, we really yearn to feel validated. And how are we validated? We're validated through other people. Now with social media, it's like on steroids. We're validated through likes and through DMs and reposts. And we get so lost in that. And this time right now, it's so easy to get lost. So yeah, it's, it's like a slippery slope when we keep living for others in that way. Because if we don't, then we're, especially as women, like we're bitchy, we're pushy, we're you know, like we're, we like conflict, you know, and, and that's uh, because we are not willing to settle. And when we're not willing to settle, we have to challenge a lot of that noise around us. And, and back to your question, the third thing I would suggest and in that order of doing these things is I always have clients do what I call, if you've heard of like getting into a dream state. So it's like, I have you pick, this is aside from this, but like, part of the work that we do is, is after decluttering our physical environment, creating like a sacred space in the house that is dedicated only to being present and, and, and being like, whether it's reading or journaling or anything, it's like, it's like your little escape. But I took that and leveled it up where it's called a dream day and anybody can do this. But I mean, I've had clients like rent Ferraris for the day for like $400, like just to get into physically into that dream state in their real world in their real life like 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 where it's tangible people taking a day off work like like you know calling in sick or pto or whatever to go do a day trip somewhere and i I encourage them to do it on a weekday to feel what it's like to do stuff on a weekday like if they want to leave their job or whatever it is um but just planning a dream day so even just the exercise of writing it out is so powerful because you're like, I, I've already committed by writing this out that I'm doing this. And then after they do it, the feeling like packing the day of, and it could be going to the beach and reading on a weekday, which is unheard of for so many people. But once they do it, they, it's changing that vibrational state for them to now see a possibility. Yeah. Because if you can, yeah, totally. It's, it's changing the whole reality. Like, cause they can actually yeah. see it as a real thing. Like if you can see it, because a lot of people don't, can't visualize unless they've done it once or twice before. It feels so far away. It feels yeah. like it's like, it's like only stuff you see in the movies or only something yeah. that person can have. Yeah. I can't have it, even though we're all the same human being, flesh and blood, but you know, it's the story that yeah. gets in the way of that. And so by setting the foundation with these things and then jumping into this system of becoming hyper aware of what we've created, 
being aware of the fact that we, it's not working for us in all areas, physically, Mm -hmm. socially, habitually, and then shedding it. And we grow. We, when we let go of something we've held on to that represents the life we don't want and the person we don't feel that's aligned, the freedom in that, the power in that is, is indescribable until you experience it. And it just, it just keeps connecting you closer and closer to who that person is. And that's where the happiness is. That's where the purpose is. That's where we get to feel those childlike emotions again and feelings again around being free and being creative. And when we're kids, we don't care what other people think. I know. We don't give a shit. We just be. Yeah. And that's possible for us as adults. It's it's just about what we, the environments we create. We're just little creators. We're just doing yeah. stuff. We're just scribbling all over the place, throwing blocks, building stuff. Like, it's just like amazing. We're emoting without any, yeah. like, not without holding back. Yeah. Um, Brutally honest. Like, once yeah. you can speak, like, yeah. your kids sometimes, like, <laughs> you got to love that. You got to appreciate the honesty, too. And, you know, we develop these filters and don't say that, don't say this, you know. It's all because it's like, it's pleasing. Yeah. It's pleasing Conditioning. People. Yeah. Oh, wow. If we, if people want to check you out and work with you, where's the best place they can find you and follow you? Um, they can go to thelesseffect.com, my website, and they can sign up. And I'll reach out to them there. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm a lot more present on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Samantha at Samantha Joy, Samantha underscore Joy underscore underscore. Right. And then you have the Less Effect account as well. Yeah. 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 Awesome. It's, that's all in my main page. So you can find me there as well. Awesome. And then you can buy my book on Amazon. Right. Well. We'll, ha- we'll have all that in the show notes. We'll have as many links as we can just so people can check it out. This will also be on YouTube. I'm going to make sure this one gets published on YouTube so we can, uh, yeah. And then we'll have all that stuff in there too. So before we wrap it up here, Sam, first of all, I want to say thank you. This was such an awesome conversation and I, uh, I always enjoy our conversations. I'm glad we got this one recorded, but for a takeaway, we'll leave people with obviously the topic of adversity that I ask everybody. Out of all the struggles, adversity, challenges you've faced, what is one lesson or the number one lesson that adversity has taught you? I'm going to tie it back to the miracles. Every time I go through adversity and I choose to show up and feel it and take it on, it ends in something amazing. I always get something out of it. So adversity is, is part of miracles every time. Mm. Adversity. Adversity is the gateway to the miracle. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. You got to be grateful because yeah. when something pops yeah. up in your life and you're like, mm, I don't really like that. It's like, no, know what's coming. Yeah. And embrace it because it's yeah. life would be meaningless without it. Yeah, totally. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Lance. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm sure I'll thank talk you. to you soon. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to go follow Samantha on Instagram check out all the stuff that she's got going on she's amazing great human being and go get her book the less effect and i'm going to talk her into starting a podcast at some point so (laughs) maybe look out for that in the near future because i know that she's got such a powerful story and such a powerful being in her that i think she should have a podcast at some point but and then when she listens to this she'll probably have a laugh but 
You guys make sure to check her out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on the podcast on Apple so you stay on top of the episodes. They come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Love you guys. I appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.